again, a pastoral podcast. This is March 11th, 2022. Uh, my name is Tony Delariva. I am one of the elders at Firm Foundation Bible Church. And you are? Lloyd Murphy, uh, also one of the elders at Firm Foundation Bible Church. <laughs> well, uh, we are discussing this morning denominations. Um, one of the questions that we received, as we've said before, by, by the way, we said this in the last uh, podcast, but the reason that we're doing this is really primarily to shepherd our own sheep. You know, it gives us the opportunity to cover uh, topics that matter to our people. Um, and typically we want to deal with you know, some of the tougher things that are more prominently on people's minds. Um, but it, this gives us the opportunity to do that. Whereas during the normal course of body life in a week, our opportunities are pretty limited. Um, you know, you can only get through so much Bible on Sunday morning, right? So this question, which came from one of our members, is uh, about denominations, you know, why are there different denominations and what are the differences between the denominations? So, Lloyd, why don't you frame the problem for us? Yeah, maybe it's helpful to define what a denomination is. I always think of like math, you know, like a denominator. And all of a sudden I'm like, I don't even want to talk about that. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I think we understand what denominations are. But just to kind of define them clearly, um, it would be. Uh, you know, sort of different uh, ways of working out your Christianity. Um, and um, all of them would be Protestant. Um, you know, we don't consider Roman Catholicism to be a denomination of Christianity. Why don't we, by the way? Why don't we consider them? <clears throat> well, because that stems back to uh, the Reformation. Um, you know, the Roman Catholic Church had kind of declared a monopoly on the church for uh, so long. And, uh, you know, there were those along the way who uh, saw differences there and would be um, separated a bit. Um, but they would always be declared heretics or something like that. You think of like John Huss, um, who came about 100 years before Martin Luther. But then you have the Reformers who are Catholic priests, uh, but really, all of them, the main reformers, Martin Luther, John Calvin, Ulrich Zwingli, uh, these guys, and, and they're Catholic priests who are reading their Bibles um, in different places at different times, but all around the same general time, and they're coming to some conclusions. And obviously, it kind of began with Martin Luther, um, you know, coming to that understanding of justification by faith and what that means, being declared righteous rather than becoming righteous. And that is a huge chasm between the Roman Catholic Church and all uh, of Protestant denominations. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it was at that time where uh, there began to be these reformations that tried to reform the church, but the Catholic Church was having nothing to do with that. Um, instead, they called the Council of Trent and really doubled down on their doctrines and anathematized uh, those who would believe in justification by faith. Yeah. Um, so, so to clarify right there, just to clarify on that one point, uh, what, what you just said is pretty important, that the official doctrine of the Roman Catholic Church is 
that you and I, who believe solely in what Jesus has accomplished for our salvation, like you and I repudiate our own goodness, right? And we are basing our assurance of salvation uh, on Jesus alone and what he has done. And the official doctrine of the Roman Catholic Church says that you and I are going to hell because we believe that, right? So, I mean, that's what you just said, and I think that that's pretty clear. Yeah, I mean, they've, uh, important, I mean. they've softened it a little bit after Vatican II and kind of consider us as estranged brethren and so forth. But yes, in their official documentation um, and what the Catholic Church still teaches, yes, that would be true. Because anathema, which is what <laughs> this, which is the exact word they use to frame it, yeah. the Council of Trent, um, means damned, yeah. you know, condemned to hell. Right. Um, so you're absolutely right. And they haven't changed that. Um, so that doesn't mean that, you know, your typical Catholic necessarily believes that, but the official teaching of the Roman Church. Yeah. So that's why we wouldn't consider them to be a denomination of Christianity, because we would in turn say that, no, you actually have it wrong. That was the whole point. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not about who's right and who's wrong in some secondary matter. I mean, we'll talk about those in a minute, right? But it's it's not a secondary matter. This is the gospel. That's right. You've got the gospel wrong, so you're yeah. not a Christian. So, right. you know, a, a person who holds to the teaching of Rome is not a Christian. The Pope is not a Christian. Yeah. Um, and, and that may sound crazy and offensive, but it shouldn't. I mean, it didn't sound crazy and offensive to uh, the Reformers, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, so anyhow, well, uh, so... so in, so basically, you know, say Martin Luther, John Calvin, Ulrich Zwingli, these guys, um, and, and, you know, other kind of groups that have splintered off from those would be denominations. And some of them kind of carry their names, right? Like Lutheranism, <laughs> right? Uh, so, yeah. Well, you know, I, I think to kind of go, you know, go back to what you said, to you know, what you're saying about the difference between uh, – Protestantism, evangelicalism, um, and uh, Roman Catholicism, it really is is not a secondary matter. I do think that that's pretty important, and I think a lot of Christians miss that, you know, and maybe that's where some of the confusion is, because we don't really understand, like, what legitimizes, if there's anything that does legitimize different denominations, you know, and uh, but it really does come down to that issue that you that you just laid out. Like it's well, um, the difference between us, you know, Protestant evangelicals and and Roman Catholics, is the question of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. That for all the other, you know, cosmetics, all the other trappings, all the other superficial things, all There's the things that are on the surface. And there are a lot of those. Yeah. And I think and it's that's and, and it's because those things are on the surface and they're immediately obvious that maybe that gets in the way of like really seeing clearly to the bottom line issue. But the bottom line issue is this. What did Jesus do on the cross? That's the bottom line issue. Right. And the, and the Roman Catholic Church is answer is like, well, he, he did some good things, but you've got to make up the rest. Yeah. You know, and we say, no, Jesus paid it all. He accomplished everything that I need to be saved. You know, uh, and that is the bottom line difference. And I think you and I would both acknowledge in our society today how much we appreciate Roman Catholics, 
you know, and, and Mormons for that matter. And I, we're not even at denomination at that point anymore. We're not even at a question about that. But as social allies, especially as our society continues to change. like Oh, I'm, okay, because you made me nervous when no, you, said you appreciate Mormons. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate them in the sense that we do share a lot of the same values, you know, and we're, yeah. we're on the same side of a lot of the social issues. Yeah. And there is a sense where we are allies to one another. And, I, and I'm very thankful for that. But, but I don't want to confuse that in my mind with us sharing Christianity with them because we do not. Because the fundamental issue is what did Jesus do on the cross? And we have two answers, two different answers on that question that are worlds apart. Yeah. Right. And, and I mean, and, and we need to be clear, too, that as strong as we may speak about some of these things, that's good that you bring that up about appreciating them as like cultural allies in the sense of, you know, sharing some common values that, that are biblical. Right. Um, like the sanctity of life. Let's just yeah. use that one, for instance. Right. Um, but also that we do love them in the sense of we're called to love all men, right? That's right. So, uh, you know, we don't view them as like, you know, our enemies uh, uh, in, in, in a sense of some kind of like harboring bitterness towards them. But we just put them in the same category as everyone else yeah. as unbelievers. And, and yet, uh, you know, in the, and there is a sense though that they are a little more dangerous, too. And we have yeah. to call out their error. Because they would be wolves, right? Yeah. Uh, because they're teaching a, a doctrine that is false. And like, I mean, you have your Bible open there to Galatians chapter 1. I don't know if that was just, uh, it's just been sitting there. I don't know if that was purposeful. But, you know, Paul actually says right there in that chapter that the real people that are to be anathema, because that is the word he uses, yeah. are those who preach another gospel. Yeah. And so we would say that about about them right yeah so that actually is good and i i opened up to galatians on accident but i did intend to go here uh but here's i think that kind of leads to the next what seems to me to be the next logical question which is like okay so if when we're talking about denominations we're talking about different groups within legitimately biblical christianity uh, and so we're, we're just not even, we're, you know, Catholics are not part of that conversation. Mormons are not part of that conversation. We're talking about, we're talking about these different groups among Christians. And so my question is this, like, how do we draw that distinction? Like, does, you know, how, how do we, how do we discern the difference between those who are legitimately Christian and those who are not, you know, like, does the Bible give us warrant for that? So that's really a question I just kind of want to throw out to you. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's going to touch even on within um, Protestantism, um, you know, which that word, you know, Protestant comes from the Reformation, you know, protesting um, these these things. You think of Martin Luther Luther's uh, 95 Theses and so forth. Um, so Protestantism, uh, even within that, there's going to be groups that um, are not Catholic, and they're also not what we would consider a cult, and maybe we should define that more. Um, they're you know, claiming to be within that fold, and yet they themselves are disqualified. And the reason why, to answer your question, is because the issue is the gospel. Yeah. It's the gospel. Yeah, I, yeah, that's good. That's right. And 
I do think that that is important for people to realize that the Bible itself draws those kinds of lines. It draws very clear lines between those who actually are Christians and those who are not. And ironically enough, it doesn't just draw those lines between those who claim they're Christians and those and, and unbelievers who are know they're unbelievers and who reject Christianity. Uh, it actually draws that line between uh, uh, those who profess to be Christians but are not and those who are actually Christians. Like that's really where the yeah. line is most pronounced in, in the Bible itself. And one place that I think of right away that 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 draws that line is Galatians chapter one, you know? So you got in, in this area of regional, you know, this region called Galatia, there are several cities there. It's in modern day Turkey. And you got these false teachers who come from Jerusalem and they're teaching that like the Roman Catholic church that, yeah, you, you need Jesus, but you also need to do all these things to make up for it because Jesus hasn't done everything we need to be saved. And that's what these guys are saying, right? In these churches in regional Galatia. And here's what Paul says. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. And now here's what he says. But if even we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Anathema, that same word, right? As we have said before, so now I say again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. So in other words, here's what Paul says. The gospel, which he makes clear in Romans, right, in Acts, all through the entire New Testament, Colossians, through the entirety of the New Testament, salvation is by faith alone in Jesus alone, uh, on the basis of what Jesus accomplished all by himself on the cross. And I'm saved only by trusting that. And if anybody preaches anything else to you, it's not the gospel and they're going to hell. That's what Paul says. And he says, even if I change my message, I am going to hell. Right? So I just say that to say that the Bible itself draws these kinds of lines that we're talking about this morning. There are those who are within the boundaries that the New Testament draws, and there are those who are outside of it. And those are not denominations. Those are just unbelievers. Yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting, along with what you're saying, you know, I was, while you're talking, I was thinking of the five solas of the Reformation. Right. Um, uh, so just like walking through those, you know, the first one is sola scriptura. Um, and then, you know, you got sola Christus, uh, well, solus Christus, right? Yeah. Sola gratia, sola fide. And solely Deo Gloria. So we're talking about Scripture alone, um, and that that you know the gospel is um, salvation by faith in Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, for the glory of God alone. Right. Yeah. Uh, but the first one on the list with the reformers was um, the authority of Scripture. That's right. And so that's kind of another part of this too. Is it's interesting to me that so for Roman Catholicism. Um, you know, they believe in the authority of Scripture along with the authority of the church, rightly interpreting it. And at any time, the Pope can speak ex cathedra and, you know, add new revelation to that or, you know, tweak yeah. whatever's come before. And church councils can, you know, interpret the Bible in this authoritative way yeah. as if, you know, that that's the, the, the 
all that needs to be said. Yeah, and that is, by the way, to clarify what you're saying, that's either on par with uh, scripture in terms of authority, or even superseding it. Yeah, right? exactly right. And then, and then, so I, I was thinking about that with the cults, you know. So just to define a cult really quick, um, you know, cult is. Uh, a group that would claim we're not talking about the occult. <laughs> so the occult is uh, like paganism, Satan worship, that kind of thing. But a cult uh, is, um, you know, a group that would claim to be part of Christianity. You know, they, they would say that, that they're part of Christianity or that maybe even their real Christianity ab- above all else. Um, and yet their core doctrines are uh, completely aberrant. So, now you're talking about, you know, some of the some of the pillars that make up the gospel, like, say, the Trinity. Right. Yeah. So you mentioned Mormonism. That would obviously be one of them, um, you know, and then maybe you, the Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, Christian science. I mean, you could kind of go down the list of those. But what's interesting to me is that I really can't think of one of those cults that doesn't rely on. Also on extra biblical writings as well. Yeah. As like you just framed it as either equal with the Bible or superseding its authority. Yeah. You know, the only one like, well, I mean, even the Jehovah's Witnesses, they have the Watchtower Society, right? Right. Only read our stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And they even have their own translation of the Bible, the New World Translation, which is really um, all it is is just taking key passages of the Bible, basically, and right. and rewording them to yeah. fit their doctrine that says that Jesus is not God, as yeah. he claimed to be clearly, right? Yeah, and by the way, that, you know, the, the so-called translation of the Jehovah's Witness, the New World Translation, right? It has absolutely no manuscript backing whatsoever. Yeah. There is not one single manuscript uh, that lies behind the New World Translation. It is literally... Uh, manipulated aspects of the English translation of those manuscripts. Yeah. You sound um, pretty fired up about that. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? We should be, right? And yeah, so, and be. you know, I just want to say, like, if, if we say things that are strong, um, I think that, that that sounds abrasive in our culture today because, you know, the culture's always trying to say, oh, you know, we need to just, you know, just be soft and gentle and loving. And, you know, um, there was the the whole movement of, you know, having dialogue among, you know, people and things like that. And, and, and so there's just like this soft gloved way of dealing with this, but, um, you know, we can speak truth and hard truth and serious truth because souls are at stake, uh, in a, in a, in an authoritative way, you know, because that's what Paul told Titus, right? Yeah. Declare these things with all authority. Let no one disregard you. So there's a time to speak that. And if you read Galatians, I mean, Paul doesn't even give like his typical loving introduction there. He just kind of jumps right into it. And he kind of jumps on these people and says, yeah. hey, what are you doing? Yeah. Why are you listening to those people? And yeah. he has some harsh words for them, right? And so, you know, we can speak truth and love. I mean, look at Jesus. I mean, he said some hard things. The and, kinds of things that will get you killed if you say them long enough, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. And so we need to speak truth in a way that, that is straightforward and and blunt and clear. But we can still do it with gentleness, you know. And, and so I just want to clarify that. Yeah. That I mean, I mean, anything that I think you would say, Tony, like as, as harsh as someone might think that is, or, or yeah. if I would say it or whatever, 
um, like just read Jesus, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, I know. just read Paul. Man, uh, okay. was there ever a more controversial person than Jesus? Yeah. You know, uh, uh, yeah, I, I just, I do feel like it does seem to me in my life as a believer, uh, in the 20 years now that I've been a believer, um, that is the thing that I think is, is missing. I, I think that we need to be clear on, uh, on, on what the truth is and what is not. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, you know, what is it? What, uh, uh, like petty personal strife mm. and, 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 and kind of, what is it? Self-righteous arrogance and, you know, and those kinds of things. Like mm-hmm. we're not arguing about like, well, they're part of the wrong group, so we don't like them. Mm. That's, that's not what we're saying. It's not, it's not that kind of, no, that's actually the world's problem, right? I mean, the world is full of that kind of tribalism. Um, not, not the church, you know, what we are saying is like, no, Hey, look, just like God in his mercy is good to all. And he causes the rain to to fall and the sun to shine on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. And just like his patience is incredibly long, you know, in the thousand years that he's been putting up with the human race, um, you know, we, we also are not, we're, we're not. Uh, try, trying to be impatient or ungracious. But what we were saying is that there's a definite line. Yeah. And, and the Bible itself draws that line. And and that line is not a secondary matter. Again, yeah. that we'll talk about later, right? Yeah. But it is frontline matter. This is about heaven and hell, yeah. right? And that's why we're so serious about it. And that's why Jesus and Paul were serious about it, right? Yeah. So that's right. And you know what? And we are beating this, kind of beating this to death, but um, I another passage that comes to my mind about this is uh, is Second John, you know, John's second letter uh, in verse nine, and he says this, you know, he says, um, well, in verse seven, going back to verse seven, he says, many deceivers have gone out into the world; those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Mm. And then in verse not, and he actually in verse eight he, he warns people not to give heed to their teaching because you'll lose what you've worked for, right? You forfeit your salvation if you if you follow after that kind of false teaching. And then in verse nine he says again he says everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ it does not have God. Whoever does abide in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and doesn't bring this teaching, what teaching? The teaching that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, come into the world, died on the cross instead of sinners, and has done the only thing and everything that people need to be saved. Mm. Uh, if, if anybody says anything different than that collection of truths uh, and a handful of others that those truths depend on, like the sufficiency of Scripture, the authority of Scripture, by the way, uh, if somebody comes to you and they don't have those things, don't receive them into your house. Mm. Don't give that person any kind of platform whatsoever. You know, um, the Bible itself draws these kinds of lines that we're talking about. This isn't me and you saying, well, they're part of the wrong group. They need to be a part of our group. Yeah. Right. No. And and we're commanded to warn the flock about these yeah. because it is false teaching. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's what John is saying. Like, hey, you profess Christ, but be careful that you don't be led astray by false teaching. 
um, because that could lead you into damaging heresy, and it could even mean that you're not a believer. You know, hang on to the gospel. Yeah. Okay, so those five solas that you mentioned, like those, I think you and I would both acknowledge, and I think every, you know, Christian who, you know, who has, who's thought about these things and certainly any, any, uh, any legitimate, you know, biblically qualified leader would acknowledge that those are not the sum and substance of the gospel, right? Like there are plenty of other things that are essential to the gospel. And if you deny those, then you're outside of that boundary, right? Like we would, we would all acknowledge that. But the point stands that when we're talking about denominations, we're talking about different groups within the boundary of those things that the Bible itself des- des- describes as non-negotiable. Yeah, That's what we're talking about. Okay. Right? All right. I want to call a time out there, okay. though. All right. Because um, there are these denominations that wouldn't qualify according to what you just said. Yeah. Um, so clarify that a little more. Okay. Uh, for us, because I think this is where it gets really confusing for yeah. people. Okay, so, yeah. so so talk about that, clarify that. Okay, so when we are talking about, okay, anybody can claim to be a Christian, right? Um, and that's actually, I think, one of the great tensions of the New Testament from the ministry of Jesus all the way through Revelation is that you have people who claim to be on the side of God, but are not. Um, And so there are plenty out there that at at one time, you know, denominations like the PCA, for example, the the Presbyterian Church in America, or the today, not the PCA, the PCUSA. Yeah, get that right. uh, Yeah, (laughs) that's right. The PCA is a solid denomination. It's confusing, right? Yeah, it is. Wait, 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 just frame this again. There's the PCUSA. And there's the PCA. Yeah. So so, so tell me the difference. Okay. So the PCA, I could be wrong about the dates. Um, The the what is today the PCA uh, is a solid denomination. That was R.C. Sproul's denomination. Um, uh, But at one time prior to I think the 1940-ish, I I should have brushed up on my. History a little bit more before talking. Yeah, there's going to be a quiz afterwards. Okay. <laughs> and somebody can. Uh, what do they say? Look, leave the right answer in the comments. Right? They say <laughs> um, the PC, the PCA used to be the the Presbyterian denomination in America, um, the Presbyterian Church in America. But at some point, that became the PCUSA, uh, and the PCA is now. Our, you know, the denomination that R.C. Sproul was in, which the PCA is a, a good denomination. The PCUSA at one time did affirm the essentials that we're talking about. Um, but at some point, the PCUSA as a denomination began to affirm and practice all kinds of other things that are clearly outside those bounds. Hmm. You know, like they deny that you even <laughs> need to believe in Jesus. Jesus may not even have existed. In fact, he probably didn't, but that's not what matters. What matters is, you know, the, the brotherhood of man and the fatherhood of God, you know, like Machen says in, in, uh, in liberalism and, and, and Christianity. Um, so I'm off track, but my point is, I'm just trying to answer your question, which is this. Uh, there are 
denominations, quote unquote, who at one time did give assent to those essentials, mm-hmm. but today they have strayed from those essentials. And, and we would call those liberal, right? Liberal Protestant denominations. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And so, and you just brought up Machen's book. Um, I know he's one of your heroes of the faith. Yeah. Um, so Christianity and liberalism, which he wrote like back in what the twenties or thirties, he wrote like that. Yeah, he wrote that in nineteen twenty two or nineteen twenty six. I, I the date is escaping me. Yeah, and and I mean, could you just like kind of flesh out just the the main premise of that book? Yeah, because I I think that book was just it's 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 not only helpful back then, but it's even more helpful now. Yeah, it is. The main premise of the book is this: the Bible itself draws definite boundaries around what is authentic biblical New Testament Christianity and anything that anything that that rejects those boundaries or goes outside of those boundaries or ignores those boundaries is not is not Christianity and and that's the premise of the book so his premise when he's talking about liberalism he's talking about that classic liberal Protestant theology which denied those essentials that we're talking about um, and Machen says that's not Christianity it's actually a different religion and he calls that religion liberalism. Uh, and then the whole book is about really defining the difference. Like, here's where they've gone outside the boundaries that the Bible that the Bible itself draws. Yeah. You know? Okay, so we're talking about, like, there's obviously differences between the denominations. Yeah. But what Machen was saying, and, and what you're explaining here, is that um, there are... Those who call themselves denominations of Christianity that would still affirm some of the some of the main orthodox tenets, you know, to some degree, like say the Trinity or something. So they they don't necessarily fall into the category of a cult, yeah. um, and they're also not Catholic, yeah. and yet we would put them in the same category as Catholics and cults in the sense of they're not Christians either. Yeah. Even though they claim to be. That's right. I think that's the most confusing category to Christians. Yeah. I, I think that most Christians kind of get like, okay, I see I see the the Catholic Christian thing and um, you know, yeah, I know Mormons aren't Christians or, or whatever. Um, but when it comes to like their friend that goes to the, you know, PCUSA church yeah. or the ECLA, which is the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America yeah. that's not evangelical, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, these are liberal denominations that don't even believe the gospel. Yeah. They're like, not Lutheran either, for that matter. Yeah, they're not. They're so also you, not a church. <laughs> yeah, they're not. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. so they're basically like, didn't Machen actually call them like a new form of paganism? Uh, he, he may have. I don't something remember like that. that. Yeah. I, I remember something like that in the book. Maybe I'm misquoting him. But it's really like, like we would actually put them in that category. Yeah. Like you claim what you want, but you're not Christians. Yeah. And it does, again, it all just kind of comes back to the same. Like we have different conventions, you know, culturally because of uh, just the historical background behind all of it and different, you know, kind of cultural developments and all these kinds of things. We have all these uh, we have several different ways of phrasing it, um, you know, like talking about denominations and Catholics, and you know, cults, you know, those that are not denominations. But the bottom line issue, it really does come down to the same issue. And the issue is the Bible draws a definite line primarily on the grounds of the person and the work of Jesus Christ 
uh, and it says that everything that is within the boundaries of what the Bible says about those things is Christian and everything outside of it is not mm. right. I mean, so uh, I think just to kind of clarify that, that tension, like we, there are some things that we're not going to call denominations like Catholics or Mormons. And there are some things that we would like the PCUSA, but I mean, those are all just kind of convention and cultural uh, and, and really immaterial. The bottom line is that those who affirm what God says about his son are Christian and those who repudiate it are not. Yeah. And that is the bottom line issue. I think what, what you're talking about, the term Christendom has been helpful for me to understand. It's kind of this like wide umbrella yeah. that the world kind of like lumps all of these things into. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's like whenever the, the major news networks want uh, the Christian position, they usually ask the Pope or something like that. Right. Yeah. So like the world just lumps all that into Christendom. But we're talking about genuine biblical Christianity. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Can I get an amen? <laughs> <laughs> that was my organ. That was my it's organ like, when you're Ree! preaching. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So all right. at this point, uh, I want to turn the corner because um, now it's like, okay, we've narrowed the focus down. Yeah. I know it gets confusing with like, you know, liberal and evangelical um, denominational sure. issues, right? And mm-hmm. by the way, the term evangelical is kind of under assault and has been for some time, but it just comes from the Greek word euangelion that means good news or gospel, yeah. right? And so an evangelical, a genuine, true evangelical, which that's what we would claim to be, are those who preach the gospel. Yeah. And that is what defines us, right? Yep. And and so, okay, so let's go back to the whole difference between like the PCA and the PCUSA. We kind of get that. But let's say the PCA, you said that's a that's a good denomination. That was R.C. Sproul's denomination. Yeah. Um, and yet uh, we'd look at like, say, Southern Baptists, right? And yeah. we would say, hey, they're both good. Um, you know, they, they've got some issues or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. obviously, right? Yeah. Uh, but they're, they're both holding to the gospel, yeah. at least for now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yep. things tend to change, but, but they are. And, and so, but they have like some massive differences. Yeah. So how do we understand those? Well, you know, there are several different factors there that, I, you know, I've been thinking about as I've been thinking about this. Uh, I think the first thing to really, really, really be clear on, and we, at, at the risk of beating this horse to death, um, but we need to be clear that all those who affirm those, uh, those essentials that affirm the gospel are legitimate legitimately Christian spheres or denominations, you know, there's like, we're in a sphere, but we're not in a denomination. Right. But we are in a particular kind of sector of, of American Christianity. Uh, but, um, you know, so there are a number of things that account for those differences within legitimate Christianity. And one of the things that I, that I could think of, you know, just as I've been thinking about this is really the time and place that you live. And there are certain teachers who's, whose whose ministries God has blessed tremendously and their uh and their their reach is tremendously broad in their part of the world in their day and age 
I think of you think of John Calvin, you know, there's a reason that why uh, a huge chunk of French Christians um, in the 16th and 17th centuries were Huguenots. It was because mm-hmm. of the influence of John Calvin. There's a reason that Germans are Lutheran, you know. Um, and, you know, so I think you can account for some of the differences because of the influence of certain teachers. Um, that's one and the time and place that people live. Uh, it also seems that there are some kind of core doctrinal or theological emphases um, with, within spheres of legitimate Christianity uh, that are not emphasized in, in, in other parts, right? I think, uh, and one of those differences between us and the, PC, the PCA, for example, who are Presbyterian, is that they have a covenant hermeneutic. Right. Like so they view much more of a continuity between the Old Testament that you would than, than you and I would. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't violate those essentials. No. Right. Um, so they have an emphasis there that we don't have. Um, we would even say, even though we are, you know, again, we're unambiguous. There are charismatic brothers and sisters are wrong. Um, in their practice of some of those spiritual gifts. Wait, could you clarify that? <laughs> <laughs> like the way the way the Pentecostals do tongues is not biblical, <laughs> right? There's the clarification. But again, that does not violate uh, any of those essentials, right? Like they still affirm those essentials. They they affirm what Jesus has done. Really, it comes down to. I mean, most of them. Right, right most I mean, of them. Well, yeah, but, but you could say that about pretty much any denomination, right? There's, yeah. there's always those aberrant fringe groups that kind of wind up going out of the fold. Right. Like the oneness Pentecost. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. T.D. Jakes. T.D. Jakes. Right. Who's who's a, who's not a unit. He's a Unitarian. He's right. not Trinitarian. Right. But then again, that goes back to what we're talking about at the very beginning. Like those within the boundaries of the essentials mm-hmm. are legitimately Christian. Mm-hmm. Those who are outside of it are not. You know, like so maybe T.D. Jakes affirmed the essentials at one point, Mm -hmm. but clearly he was not of us because he went out from us. Mm -hmm. So he never was of us to begin with. Right. Um, But my point, just to answer your question, is that uh, there are legitimate differences uh, between genuinely Christian denominations, between those who who affirm those essentials. And yet when it comes to. Being within the boundaries, like it's a pretty big yard and there are a lot of areas of the yard and we end up at different places within the yard because of a number of things, you know, because of where we are in the world, because of how we uh, certain things in the Bible that seem to be more important. You know, they, they tend to be more, uh, more more governing. They have more governing weight than other things do. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. So. It's basically just Christians gravitating to where their convictions lie. Yeah. And there's going to be differences with those. And within the umbrella of some of the larger denominations, we could say like Lutheranism or um, we could say Baptists or whatever. There's going to be um, a lot of, you know, maybe splinter groups where, you know, they're they're holding to different principles. But they... But as long as they're maintaining those gospel guardrails, they're within that fold of Christianity, right? So here's where I I would just kind of like to talk about 
that a little bit because, you know, I think that that Christians oftentimes think that, you know, Jesus said, like in John 17, he's praying to the Father and he's asking the Father that all his disciples would be one. And oftentimes, you know, Christians come to that passage and, and even Christian teachers, they come to that passage and they think that what he's talking about is like this organizational oneness, like as if we should all be, you know, all under this one umbrella on the same page, worshiping together. No denominations should exist. Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, that's the contention of the Catholic Church, right? I mean, the word Catholic means universal. And so their whole thing is like, you know, we're the real deal and you better fall under us. Yeah. Or at best, you're an estranged brother. Yeah. At worst, you're anathematized. Yeah. So, um, so people think that like this organizational structure. Yeah. Um, but there's huge misunderstanding there because Jesus isn't talking about that at all. Yeah. Um, he, I mean, he does not mean organizational unity or institutional unity. Uh, his whole point when he's praying there in John 17 is that we would be unified in a spiritual sense of our union with him. Because it goes back to that wonderful doctrine of the New Testament that everyone who is a Christian has been spiritually united to Christ. I mean, that's what water baptism symbolizes. You know, it's a picture of the fact that you have been united to Jesus and you're accepted in him. And he says in this very passage that because of that, the father loves you as much as he loves his own son. I mean, yeah. that's just an incredible thought. Mm-hmm. And what's what's really in, incredible to take it a step further is that because I'm united to Jesus and you, Tony, are united to Jesus, then we're united to one another. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing necessarily physical about that. Yeah. Like Tony and I both have a, a mutual friend named Suresh who lives in India. He's on the other side of the world and he's united to Jesus. And so we're united with him. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. I mean, you right. think about that, like all over the world. And and here's a, here's something that's even crazier to think about than that is like, we're united to John Owen yeah. and Jay yeah, Gresham Major right. right. and, and uh, Augustine yeah. and the Apostle Paul, yeah. you know, what I mean? yeah. like we're united to them in a spiritual sense. And so that's what Jesus is talking about here in this passage, clearly. Yeah. And so, um, with that said, you know, I just kind of want to talk about some reasons why Christians may not, you know, see everything, uh, exactly the same way. Yeah. Can I, can I touch on just one thing that, you, you know, just one thing on this, um, you know, you mentioned the Roman Catholic church and that is one of their criticisms and has been, uh, since the reformation, uh, that, that the evidence of the illegitimacy of quote-unquote Protestantism is is these different denominations. Uh, But what they, but that is because they are oblivious to those boundaries that the Bible itself draws. That is the reason why. Because in reality, you and I, we love John Owen and R.C. Sproul, right? And J. Gresham Machen and John Calvin and John Wesley. Like we love these brothers who are legitimate brothers of ours. I mean, we love them. Um, and there are plenty of places where we can have such sweet fellowship and incredible cooperation. Um, but our differences mean that we're gonna we're not gonna 
do certain things together, mm-hmm. right? Like, and that's what the Roman Catholic Church fails to understand is because uh, they they just don't have a sense of of the boundary that the Bible itself draws because they've repudiated that boundary. Mm-hmm. So no wonder they can't tell who's in it and who's out of it, mm-hmm. and no wonder they can't tell how it is that those of us who are inside the boundary are relating to each other. Mm -hmm. If you're just standing on the outside and you think about it the way they do, then of course you would think they all hate each other Mm -hmm. and that they're all saying that each other are going to hell. But it's just because they have no knowledge of, they have no recognition of where the, that, that boundary is that the Bible itself draws. So you're, so what you, where you were going was, you know, some of the differences, like why do some of those differences within Christianity exist, right? Legitimate Christianity. Yeah, because the question always comes up. It's like, well, if we have the same Bible and the same spirit, like, shouldn't we come up with the same thing? <laughs> and I think that's a valid question, you know? I agree. Um, yeah. You know, so what do we say about that? Well, I've thought about that a lot. And um, I think there's a few reasons. And uh, number one is there is a lack of unity uh, in the church when it comes to these kind of things, because there's a lack of maturity in the church. And when I say church, I mean church with a capital C. So, you know, so all Christians. Yeah. And when you say maturity, what do you mean by that? Because I think it might be tempting for somebody to hear you and say that there are people out there that are immature in the sense that like, you know, uh, like they're not what they should be. I mean, in that sense, we're all not what we should be, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't think that you mean like, well, they're so immature, they're childish. That's not what you're saying when you're talking about a lack of maturity, right? No, no. What I'm talking about is is, is back to that issue of our union with Christ. So what Jesus is talking about in John 17, that spiritual unity, we're united together as one. And so when we think about spiritual growth, we tend to think like what you're saying, you know, we think about individual spiritual growth. But there's also a sense that the New Testament brings to us because of that that corporate solidarity that we have in Christ, that unity we have in Him, um, that the church as a whole is maturing. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting, if you look back through church history, um, some of the major doctrines of the faith um, have been hammered out over time. And really over centuries, um, the first, you know, few hundred years or more, you know, really the first like four centuries uh, were spent like just working through uh, what does the Bible say about who Jesus is and who God is in the sense of a triune God and working those things out. I mean, to us, we're like, that's so clear. Um, But it's clear to us. Not only because we go to the Bible and read it there, right. um, but also because, you know, there, there's been, you know, godly men who have gone before us and we kind of stand on their shoulders yeah. and are able to view things and, and read what they said and help us work through all of that. Yeah. You know, you think about the doctrine of soteriology or salvation. I mean, that was clear from the beginning, kind of got muddied up. There were always people, you know, through history that believe that and and held to it but when it came to you know the Catholic Church kind of trying to take this monopoly and and, and so forth that's where we came to the Reformation and those yeah. things were were hammered out and solidified and you know I mean now we have this robust doctrine that yeah. that 
we're blessed with. That's clear in the New I mean, it's like the clearest thing in the New Testament right. if you read your Bible. But yeah. these guys helped frame that in a way that was just helpful. So as you kind of march on through time, there's always kind of work being done. Like, you know, for instance, right now I'm teaching through eschatology. Yeah. And there's a lot of really good work being done right now by theologians of how to how to work out you know, the storyline of scripture mm. and how to understand the end times and all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah. um, and obviously that's one area where there's a lot of divergence among um, not only denominations, but even individuals, yeah. right? Yes. Um, and, and it's that's something right. that there needs to be that work done on there. And, yeah. and so, so there's just this lack of maturity because we're growing as the body of Christ. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's part of it. Like, it's not like, hey, on day one, boom, we got it all figured out. Yeah. I mean, we do have the Bible right here, and we could say that, but but it's not that easy. I mean, it, think about it on an individual level. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and and you know, and I mean, part of that, I don't know if you know if this is your number two or not. I hope hope I'm not stealing your thunder. Maybe another number <laughs> later on the list. But I mean, it, there's also it's because the salvation redemption does not restore us to a pre-fall state, right? It's still a Genesis 3 world that we live in. There is still what Paul calls indwelling sin that remains in us. That you is, just stole my right? thunder. You <laughs> literally did. Did I really? Was that number two? <laughs> it was number but two. But God is maturing us from that point of fallenness, you know? Like we're at this kind of default state with, you know, what, what, uh, what, what the Puritans especially, like typically called nature, this state of nature, just this default state of fallen human of fallen humanity and then we get saved and from that point there's a foundation of Christ likeness that's laid in our heart at regeneration and and God's at work to build on that throughout the rest of our life but my point is like we're sinners we're sinful I don't have a perfect perspective I have a perfect Bible but I don't have a perfect perspective Right. And that's and that's true of all of us. Like we're all in this process of becoming completely like Christ, which is the end game of salvation, which the New Testament is clear about. So like along the way, my perspective is becoming refined and is be and I'm seeing things more clearly, more in line with how God sees them. But until then, I've got all these blind spots and I'm nearsighted and everything else. Right. And, and I'm and I'm prone to overlook things and miss things. So I come to the Bible and we and we come to different conclusions about about what it's saying. But we're doing the best with the imperfect equipment that we have. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. And that really is it. I mean, that is that second point. It, it really just comes down to sin. Yeah. Um, and not in the, and not in the sense of a blatant sin. Right. You know, sometimes like, it is that. But at that point, really, they're outside of the denomination if they're not already yeah. they're outside of the fence right yeah, yeah but you know like like let's say differences between um you know like a position on baptism let's say between right. infant baptism and believers baptism yeah um you know it's not like rc sproul was like living in sin hanging on to that position of infant baptism but somebody's right in the debate. And I like to say that R.C. Sproul, you know, he's a Baptist now because he's in heaven. <laughs> right. Amen. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I, I'll be being facetious there. But, um, you know, there somebody's right in all of this. Um, but oftentimes, um, you know, we take those 
doctrinal things that actually become convictions to us that may be wrong yeah. to the grave. Because as much as we mature, like you said, as much as we grow individually, and as much as the church is growing, you know, as a whole in maturity until Christ returns, yeah. um, the fact is, is that individually and corporately, we are never going to be perfected until he comes because of that very thing you just said. We still live in that cursed world yeah. and we still have that indwelling sin. So it affects us. It basically just colors that's everything right. in our lives. Yeah. And so like, you know, I'm teasing about R.C. Sproul, I but know. I mean, obviously the guy was like, you know, had a mind like three or four times as strong as mine. And, you know, there's there's obviously blind spots that I have that he was totally nailed on that I won't get until I'm there, you know. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, that's the thing. It, individually, corporately, sin is, is going to color everything and, and we're just going to be sort of... Um, painted into a corner on some right. things. We have a perfect Bible, but we're just not going to have a perfect perspective in this life. And you know, a lot along those same lines too, and I do think that this is incredibly important. And really, I think most of the confusion among Christians really is that a, is, is, is that a, uh, uh, that, that they don't see this point, which is that, it's, it's actually the result of sincere efforts to obey God, you know, like on issues that do not threaten or or what is it impugn, you know, on, on those on those essentials. Um, R.C. Sproul, you know, did his best to come to a conclusion about what the Bible said about baptism, you know, Um and I think if Jesus had appeared and opened up the scriptures to him and expounded to him what the Bible says about baptism, he would have changed his mind. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, uh, whatever he could clearly see in the Bible, he was clearly sub submitted to that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that is the thing that Christians maybe more often than anything else just fail to understand is that what you have is sinful men doing the best they can with the poor equipment that they have, trying to submit everything that they understand about the Christian faith to the Bible. But because of our fallenness, we just are not coming to the same conclusions. Uh, and, and But they're honest efforts. Like these denominations exist because good men are doing the best they can to obey God. And that again, by the way, is another point of unity that the Catholics do not get. Mm -hmm. Right. Like they don't understand that I actually love and appreciate my charismatic brothers. Danny Campos in Ventura, if you ever listen to this, I mean, he's a charismatic and I love that brother. I mean, I love that brother. You know, um, my my brother, Paul, <laughs> he's Plymouth Brethren. Mm -hmm. uh, my Egyptian friend, Paul, he's a Plymouth Brethren. And I love that brother, man. Um, and Catholics don't get that. Like we're just fallen people. God has sincerely saved, whose consciences he's, he's subjected to the authority of his word, who are doing the best that we can to understand it. And we have plenty of unity and plenty of affection and plenty of ways that we cooperate with one another. Uh, but there are certain things that we can't do together because of our differences, right? I mean, look, if I'm a Giants fan and you're a Diamondbacks fan, huh. 
right? There's going to be... <laughs> there's going to be a rift there. Yeah, there's going to yeah. be some things that we're not going to do together. Yeah. And, and one know? team is obviously going to win and the other's not. <laughs> and it wouldn't be the Diamondbacks. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, but I think people don't understand that. And, and really, it seems that a lot of this comes down to this, that it's like you have to have certain ingredients to have a pizza. At a certain point, it's not a pizza anymore. But you can have a lot of variation and still have an actual pizza. Mm. And something like that is what we're talking about when we're talking about real Christian denominations. Yeah. And it's really easy, I think, for me and you to say, okay, that is a good pizza. But they should never put pineapple on it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like I think everybody should say that. <laughs> see, I don't. You see? So, yeah. so there it is. So there's a separation between us on that. That's Pineapple on pizza is an abomination. No, no, I'm with you on that. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. I I'm, I'm saying that, that that shouldn't okay. even be allowed. Okay, I agree. That's like I out agree. of the pale of orthodoxy, yeah. Any, right? <laughs> anyway, if anyone comes to you with pineapple on his pizza, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a be anathema. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. So kind of um, just kind of bringing that around, like like the practical outworking of that mm -hmm. is that. Um, there are certain convictions that good, godly, yet sinful men yeah. have, yep. um, and they're so large that uh, it, it really is not um, you know, conducive for us to worship together and cooperate together yeah. in a regular sort of way. Right. Um, so like... I just want to use this for instance, right? So like a Presbyterian, yeah. Um, you know, I am not going to be able to uh, fellowship with a Presbyterian. I mean, I mean, some people could. Well, when you say fellowship, well, I, what do I you mean? mean? I mean, yeah. I mean uh, let me say, let me put it this way. Like, okay. like, like go to their church and be a member there, right. you know, because I would just be uncomfortable in the sense of like infant baptism and stuff right. like that. You could go to a church and worship with them and enjoy a service there. Yes, right? absolutely. But that's the difference. Yeah. I could do a conference with them. Right. I could go to the church and worship with them. I could even probably even attend that church and be blessed by it for a long time. But yeah. like becoming a member there, I think I would have like like uh, too many uh, doctrinal right. differences to to be able to to really jump in. Um, you know, but and, well, I mean, can you just explain that in really in really practical terms? Like because it's I think it's one thing for people to hear that, but not really understand uh, like the practical implication. Of, of, of what you're saying, like not really understanding how that works itself out. Right. Right. So like explain that practically that you could go there, but you have those differences that would make it difficult to do certain things. Like explain that. Just just make it really practical. Um, well, I guess I should put it this way. I think I should back up. I think I could probably maybe, you know, even be a member there, you know, if I set if I just said, okay, these things, you know, I'm just kind of going to keep to myself or yeah. whatever. But I guess what I'm saying is that I would be a lot more comfortable in a church like ours yeah. than a Presbyterian church. Yeah. And I'm probably going to go to that church and be there wholeheartedly yeah. uh, because it's more in line with what I believe the Bible to teach Uh in a broad sense, like you mentioned, covenant theology yeah. versus a dispensational view, which I would take. That's how you read the whole Bible, which winds up with all sorts of uh, nuances. Yeah. Um, 
uh, and one of those is infant baptism. I mean, that comes from the covenant position. Yeah. Um, eschatology, uh, viewing, you know, the millennium as taking place now or trying to usher it in yeah. somehow rather than viewing it as in the future, um, which, you know, I think most Presbyterians would take the kind of the all millennial position yeah. or post millennial maybe. But uh, so anyways, but but all those things at the end of the day, like we agree on the gospel. Yeah. On the essentials. Yeah. Right? And, and I mean, I have heard of Christians who would, you know, be in line with me doctrinally going to Presbyterian churches and being so blessed yeah. um, by the faithful preaching of the word. Yeah. And honestly, like, I mean, some of my favorite preachers are, you know, Presbyterians like Sinclair Ferguson yeah, me too, man. and uh, Alistair Begg, yeah, I'm right there uh, with you. you know, yep. uh, that kind of thing. So, you know, so it's that kind of thing. And, yeah. and so there are some practical things, but at the end of the day, you know, we can have some level of fellowship, we can appreciate one another, we can love each other as brothers, yeah. and we can just kind of agree to disagree, but what we agree on is what binds us together. Well, and can I say too, like, you know, to go back to like a really practical, uh, just a really practical implication of this, one of the things that I think Christians really need to understand is that differences are going to necessitate different practices, different ways of going about things. Like if you believe that Christians need to honor, you know, the Sabbath, a particular day of the week, and I don't, I'm not Sabbatarian, you and I are going to spend our Sundays differently. Yeah. And we're probably not going to spend them together a lot of times, right? Like there are certain things that I'm going to want to do on Sunday that you're not, that you're not going to do. And so we're not going to spend those Sundays together. Here's another difference. You might be a seventh day Sabbatarian and I might be and I might be, a, you know, like a, what is it? The, the, the new Sabbath, right? Um, where the Sabbath is where Sunday is the new Sabbath. Mm. I mean, even those are going to necessitate differences between us. And I can think of Christians right now where that has had some degree of uh, impact on what we do together on certain days of the week. We're actually going to be talking about this kind of in detail soon right yeah we are yeah. but i but this is a good example and what you're talking about baptism like that's another one you know like you know i'm not gonna if i too am with you like i could even be a member at, at a presbyterian church and 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 maybe even for some time um but what i would not do is have my children baptized there you know and i certainly could not be in leadership at a presbyterian church because that whole issue of baptism would become a major rub for us. Yeah, yeah. That's right? good. That's good clarification. Yeah. yeah. So like because now they're going to want me to baptize my children or they're going to want me to baptize somebody else's child. And I'm going to be like, I don't. That's not how the Bible says. We You're going to sound like Baptist with two B's. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but the thing is this. Here's what it comes back to. What we're talking about when we're talking about this kind of thing is like you're saying – the pineapple should go on the pizza. And I'm saying absolutely not. But we're still talking about the pizza. Yeah. And we're still operating within the boundaries of genuine biblical New Testament Christianity because we're not touching those essentials at all. Yeah. Right. Um, and so uh, there is. And here's another part of this, by the way, is that 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 it's actually in this in, in the interest of unity. For us to have the, our church and for their them to have their church, right? Like it is actually 
it, it is actually uh, it actually maintains and promotes unity because it doesn't lock us into this artificial organizational sphere where we're where we're going to be forced to fight about these kinds of things and waste all our time focusing on these non-essentials. Right. Right. Like it's actually in the spirit of unity for me to be on this side of town and my Presbyterian brother to be on the other side of town and say, God, I pray that you would bless that brother's influence as much as you would possibly please to be pleased to do so and grow them in Christ. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and we actually pray those things. And we do pray in our those corporate things. gathering. Yep. And so we're going to serve God over here and they'll serve God over there. And I pray for them. And I do pray that God would bless their influence, man. Mm. Um, but I'm not going to be in leadership over there. Yeah. And if I were, we would fight about things that are ultimately uh, not essential. Mm-hmm. Right. And not that they're not important. They obviously are clearly important because they would have that level of uh, implication on our relationship. Uh, but they're not essential. Yeah. You know, yeah. right. Yeah. And and that's not to say, too, that everybody who attends, you know, whatever church it is, is going to agree, agree on every little nuance. You know, they're not mm-hmm. going to cross every T and dot every I exactly the same. But it's basically finding a place that lines up with your convictions um, as much as possible so that you're uh, fully confident about being all in there. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. And, 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 it, and sometimes you can't find that. Like, like, again, I've heard of Christians going to a place where they can't say they're, they're more Baptistic. Yeah. And they go to a place they can't find a, a good, solid Baptist church that they're comfortable with. Um, and maybe it's an issue of, of those churches aren't really faithfully preaching the Bible or something. Yeah. And, th- and they go down, you know, pick the Presbyterians again um, because they do take the Bible seriously. Right. Yeah. And you find this Presbyterian church where the guy is just like a faithful expositor. And I've heard of people being so blessed by those churches, even though they, they have different convictions. Yeah. And that's what we should do. Right. Like yeah. if you're in a place where you can't find a place that lines up exactly where you are. You should go to a church that is as close as you can find. Yeah, right? yeah I mean, that's, that's what right. we're called to do. You shouldn't just sit home back. Like, well, I can't find a good church. You yeah. know, you should go there, um, and and you should jump in and be a part of that. Yeah, I think if we can really bring all of this down to a fine point, I mean, would you agree that I think what it really comes down to is this? It really comes down to being very clear in our minds on what the essentials are. Like, what are the non-negotiables that the Bible itself draws with respect to the faith? When are you a Christian? And at one point, are you no longer a Christian? Yeah. Like, we need to be really clear on those lines. And you just keep beating that horse. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then, But then within that, we need to really be discerning about the nature of the differences that we have. Um, and, and, uh, and, and, uh, well, that's it, you know, like what are our differences and what is the nature of those differences? Yeah. Like, well, you know, I mean, what's uh oh man. I mean, what's, I mean, what's a relatively minor one, you know, a relatively minor one is like you prefer one translation and I prefer another, you know, to a very small degree. Like, I don't really care what translation you use, you know, like maybe something like that. Like that has no practical implication Mm -hmm. on our relationship. So I can very easily look at that difference and assess the nature of that difference. 
Whereas baptism is a very big one. Like that has a lot of practical implication. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, I, I, and so I, I adjust accordingly, you know, yeah. like, well, that means that if I stay here with you, then we're going to fight about this and I don't want to do that. Yeah. So I'm going to go over there and do my own thing. Yeah. And, right? and you bring up something when you, I mean, totally. And when you bring up the translation thing, um, I do think that's an important thing to note that some of like the smaller, more fringe splinter groups that yeah. come off of these denominations are because people make too big of a deal out of those little things that really aren't that big of a deal, yeah, right? That's right. Like a translation, mm-hmm. you know, like we're only going to use the King James Bible. Yeah. Um, I mean, that shouldn't even be a big deal, but it yeah. is to them. And so that's why you're going to find some of these other kind of splinter groups that are um, so, uh, you know, tight about who they accept and who they don't. Yeah. And those are the guys sometimes that kind of paint themselves into a, a corner yeah. <laughs> and they don't really fellowship with everybody else. And they can be sort of like, mean spirited towards right. others as well. I, I mean, I, I don't want to pick on them. We can all do that yeah. um, to some degree. Right. But yeah. if I could add a third reason, you know, why there's differences, yeah. it would be just that it would be that, that not only does the sin kind of color everything, but sometimes we allow our sinful tendencies to, to go a little too far. Yeah. And then, you know, we, we, we sort of get this kind of feeling like, we're the only ones that have it right. Right. And there's a difference between having a conviction. Like yeah. I am convinced 110% that the Bible commands us to baptize only believers by yeah. immersion. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, yes. And, and, and so yet, am I. Yeah. And yet I can appreciate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can appreciate my brother who takes a covenant position on that and sprinkles the babies. You know, I I, I can appreciate him, even though I disagree with him. And I can still have a level of fellowship with him and not be mean-spirited toward him. And yet, we can have a very, uh, you know, strong, friendly debate about that, you know, and agree to disagree and say, well, you know, I can't really be comfortable with with that. Yeah. Well, and you know, I mean, what you're talking about, again, like, Yes, sin is necessarily going to color everything, but uh, it also it doesn't show up just in deficiency. It also shows up in sinfulness. Yeah, and right, and and that's and that's well, and what, other people, right? <laughs> of course, <laughs> right? Of course, <laughs> not in me, <laughs> which my wife knows. Yeah, um, <laughs> but um, you know, it like, and I think we would say at that point that uh, the, unfortunately, the nature of the world is going to be that there are people who are immature to the point of being like, you know, we would say maybe, maybe childish, mm-hmm. the equivalent of childish, mm-hmm. like they are being sinful and they are foolish mm-hmm. in their immaturity. Um, and that's why you have some of these kind of fringe groups out there who are really just so skewed in their view of something in their immaturity that they have, like you said, painted yourself in a corner and going back to the whole thing about like discerning the difference discerning the nature of our differences, they really have very little ability to do that because of their immaturity, mm. uh, which is the source of that kind of antagonism and friction, right? Yeah. But the key, it really is like, you know, we've got to be clear on those essentials and we've got to be able to identify the nature of our differences and not all of those are bad. Like a lot of them are good. Mm. And sometimes it's in the interest of unity. Uh, and, and I would say that those who are the best at that, um, like those who are really good at that, who 
who are the clearest and the strongest in their convictions uh, when they're right, like you, you, they, they really do have a very gracious, uh, really loving attitude toward uh, other brothers and sisters, you know, mm-hmm. um, like they really know how to square w- w- the differences and the nature of them yeah. um, and love in all the ways that they can and are able to, you know, there's a lot of legitimacy to differences in denominations. And I don't think that gets enough credit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. So one more thing that I want to, okay. I want to throw in here because I think here's another area where Christians get really confused about all this is you have a lot of churches like ours, for instance, who are (laughs) non-denominational, right? So we've said all this, um, and, and then we say, okay, well, we're, we're not part of any of those denominations. Yeah. Um, so what do we mean by that? <laughs> I mean, are we saying, well, you know, we're over yeah. and above all of them. Like we're better than them, yeah. you know, like we, we've come to a higher plane and we don't identify with any of them. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I mean, I mentioned it really briefly. I only kind of suggested it earlier on, but I think, um, one of the differences like not all the kinds of differences that we just kind of all chuck under the umbrella of, of denominational are not necessarily denominational, but there are different kind of spheres, whether they're official denominations or not. And those things sometimes, like I said, are the result of like the influence of a particular teacher or people tend to gravitate together who have the same view of baptism. In our particular case, some of the things that bind us together, uh, are, you know, some of those important things that bind us together are a reformed view of salvation and sanctification, right? We're, we're Calvinistic in that. We're Baptistic in our view of, in our view of baptism. Um, and I think we also agree that the, the, that the New Testament does not command, uh, any kind of broader ecclesiastical structure beyond the New Testament local church. Like we read the New Testament as, putting all of its emphasis explicitly and implicitly on uh, the responsibility of individual local churches to themselves. Yeah. Right. So I just, I say that to say that there are kind of those common uh, theological, uh, you know, those, those kind of common theological angles, common theological convictions all throughout church history that tend to, uh, they tend to, um, or, uh, what is it, orient, you know, they tend to define certain spheres within the fence of genuine biblical Christianity, mm-hmm. right? So I don't know if that's what you're talking about. I know it has something to it. I think I'm talking a little pre the issue that you're talking about. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I, I think it's, it, it's like you said, we, we would view um, local churches as autonomous, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And that uh, any fellowship or cooperation that we have with other local churches uh, is good and we should do that um, but it's purely voluntary it's voluntary and it's based on wisdom and it's based on a case-by-case assessment of the different situations right Mm -hmm. Um, but what is interesting too though by the way even along those lines like we are not a denomination but our church is preparing to 
we're in the process right now of becoming a fire church, a member of if they accept if us. they accept yes. us, <laughs> we're going to be on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and fire is a fellowship of independent reformed evangelicals. It's a uh, it's a it's an organizational it's an uh, it's a it's a fellowship organization, not a denomination. Um, it's not a like a formal structure of any kind. Um, we don't pay any dues into it. Right. We can remove ourselves at any time. Yeah. We don't take orders from them. Right. Like no, no it's not an That's organization. That's in their, their bylaws. Right. Like, you know, they yeah. do not meddle in our business. Yeah. But the point that I'm getting at is this, that people who share convictions tend to end up doing things together. Mm-hmm. Right. Whether it's in a formal sense, like a Presbyterian denomination, which inherently is going to be a denomination. Um, or an informal sense, like autonomous independent churches like ours, kind of linking arms with other autonomous independent local churches like we're doing in FIRE. Yeah, right? and, and it's good because um, we can sometimes, um, well, I mean, number one, we can uh, fellowship with each other. Yeah. Um, and number two, we can uh, kind of hold each other account- accountable mm-hmm. to a degree. Um uh, we're there for each other when yeah. there's hard times. Um, we can pull resources pull, if and as needed. Yeah, yeah. And, and we share information about what's going on. Maybe we find out about this missionary or that, and, yeah. and maybe we are all supporting them together, mm-hmm. um, you know, or doing this endeavor together, whatever. Um, and we can be totally clear that we're all on the same page um, in, in whatever we do, you yeah. know, to, you know, for the most part. I right, mean, obviously, right. even within that sphere, there's going to be some differences and things like that. You know what? And that's a great example because there are Presbyterian churches and Reformed <laughs> Baptist churches, right? <laughs> I mean, there are a bunch of different kinds of churches within yeah. within fire. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. I mean, that's a that's a, a great example. Mm-hmm. And I think um, that that's one of the things that I think, you know, maybe maybe people who haven't. We haven't really taken the time to think deeply about this or people who are outside. They, they fail to understand is that we really are operating on uh, within a definite set of boundaries and we're participating within those boundaries to the degree that we can. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, our occupation of different spheres within those boundaries is really another outworking of unity in a lot of ways. You and know? it's still not like, oh, we're officially... Uh, joining this denomination or something. Yeah. It's it's just a fellowship of churches. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that's important for people to understand yeah. that we're not we're not trying to say you know we're better than those right. denominations. We're above them. We we yeah. just choose not to officially you know be a part of right. this or that because um, we don't see it that way. Yeah. Right? We don't see it like they do. Yeah. And so, yeah. God bless them over there. We're going to do our thing over here. Yeah, right. And and we'll fellowship in in various circles that we feel are are good and beneficial. Right. And uh, you know, fires one that it's like, hey, it'd be cool to be officially a part of this because yeah. there's some good benefits yeah. for them and for us. Um, but you know, it doesn't tie us to anything in particular uh, that, that's going to have some sort of authority over us or right. you know, we got to pay dues in right. and, and think and our money's being used in ways by some committee somewhere that we have no authority over. Well, man, I think I know 
you probably feel the same way. I mean, man, we could we could just keep going and going and kick going this horse this. one more time, right? Tony. <laughs> I mean, there. I I think that there are so many more things that could be said that have not be, been said. We could spend a lot more time uh, just on the history of these things, right? We could spend a lot of time dealing just with the differences in the denominations. But if we could put a cap on all of this, what would you say is like the one big takeaway for all seven of the people who are going to end up hearing this? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, uh, just understanding uh, what a denomination is and, uh, you know, what a little history about them and what defines them from, say, a cult um, uh, or, you know, like a liberal form of that denomination. I think that's that's really helpful, just kind of funneling that down. And then to think about, like, within the various denominations, the main thing that, uh, as you said, you know, to bring that horse back up one more time, the main thing that binds us together as one, despite our nuances and differences, is the gospel. Yeah. And I would say that within that it is it is you know, I mean if on a scale of 1 to 10, you know, that is the 10 in terms of importance. Um but I would say that number 9 right behind that and I I think in and nothing else and you know, fewer things are a distant third. Uh you know, but right up there just below that is understand the nature of the differences between existing Christians, because that is where conflict happens. You know, that's when things get ugly and personal. And that's when people leave churches when they shouldn't. That's when unbiblical splits happen. That's when that's when immature, sinful uh, people with obscure views don't, uh, you, you know, they do. They are uh, divide. They are uh, s- uh, what is it? Schismatic, mm. right? I mean, that's when that happens. It's a, a good word. It's, schismatic. <laughs> yeah. it's a failure to understand the nature of differences. And the primary place where we do that is in the local church, you know, um, really understanding the nature of the differences in the brothers and sisters around us and knowing what hills to die on and which ones to defer on. And, if we're within the boundaries, the overwhelming majority of those are going to be, you know, differing at, at the level of the local church. Right? Mm. Anyways, I mean, that's an entirely different discussion. Um, and uh, I think that's probably the fourth cup of coffee talking now. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this has been really good. I mean, just to talk this through. And I, I really hope that, that it's been helpful to, you know, like you say, a handful of people that are going to Right. This. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Well, I guess that's it. Reverend, that's a wrap. Reverend Murphy, that's a wrap. And Lord yeah. willing, we'll... I, I prefer Archbishop, but that's all right. <laughs> Father Murphy, yeah. not my yeah. father. Uh, no, no, no. no. Okay. All right. Yeah, we'll let it pass today. It's okay. not, it's all, right. <laughs> all right. Well, until next time, then.